did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. So, again, as we said in the last show, school is now out. We are ready for a, hopefully, a wonderful summer. Uh, today, the temperature is much more pleasant. I think it's around 80, unlike yesterday, 90, and two days ago, it was like 99. It was hot. I even watered my lawn, which is not something I do too often, but I know if it dies now, it's finished for the summer. It's an experience, right? Things that have happened in the past. My my uh, my lawn dries out. Now it's just killed for the whole uh, for the whole summer. So I can look at the past and learn from it. And that's something fascinating. The beginning of this week's Torah portion, where this new group of people like forgot what happened last week, which is amazing. What's the story? So in last week's story portion, we have Miriam, Moses' sister, slandering her brother. Now, you have to even wonder, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, you have to even wonder what exactly did she do wrong? Like, how bad was it? What exactly did she say? She said that why did Moses separate from his wife? Just because he's a prophet, I'm also a prophet. Okay? So God says, you're talking about Moses. Yeah. This is not, uh, we're not talking apples and oranges over here. It's true that you're also prophetess, as true Aaron is also prophet, but you're not Moses. Moses talks to me all the time. Therefore, you slandered. Therefore, you have to get the tsaras, the leprosy. And therefore, you're going to be out of the camp. You'll be outside the cloud for a week. So we can, uh, so you can learn your lesson that if you slander, you get punished. So what happens in this week's Torah portion? In this week's Torah portion, the exact same thing happens. We have the spies. The spies will go to the land of Israel. They will come back, and they will be, bring back a bad report. Giants live there. People are dying there. Crazy fruit. Crazy people. Um, they're stronger than we are. They live in fortified cities, and they're all big monsters, strong. We got, we can't conquer it. It's too strong. God could take care of Egypt. God can't conquer Israel. So they're also slandering. Now it's may, perhaps, um, maybe you think you can't slander land. Maybe you think you can't slander land. But in this case, they're slandering God. Right? So, so this... Why didn't they learn from the last story? It was God punished Miriam, this righteous woman, who the there's three things, three presents the Jewish people get um, in the desert. They get those clouds that surround them in the merit of Aaron. They get the manna, that food that falls every day, in the merit of Moses. And they get the well, that traveling boulder that's a, that was their water supply, 
they get in the merit of Miriam. She's a great lady. And still she was punished. So what do these Miraglim think is going to happen to them when they come back with a bad report? Do they think everything's going to be great? Life will be fantastic. God won't care. Like, you understand, you're going you're to get the whole Jewish nation up in arms, which is exactly what happened. They come back. They slander the land. They say God's not strong enough. The uh, Jewish people, it says they cried that night by their tents. They're all, they're all upset. They all say, we can't go. Why God do this to us? God's going to come down to Moses, say, you, got, you should be careful what you ask for. You don't want to go to Israel? No problem. This whole generation will die in the desert over the next 40 years. I'll bring your children into the land of Israel. Right? So this, I mean, I, what were the spies thinking? That God's going to let them just wander in the desert forever? So they can keep their, and they happen to all have had low-level positions. They were like officers over 50. So it's like a low-level um, officer in the army. So you're going to keep your position? That, is that what you think God's going to let you do? Right? He doesn't let slander. He wants to bring it to Israel. You all of a sudden don't want to go, and you think nothing's going to happen. What are you thinking exactly? Or the better answer, of course, whenever we say this, is uh, clearly you are not thinking. So first, talking about slander, I want to tell you an interesting story, how far slander, this concept of how far slander goes. Uh, And even before that story, like even internally, sometimes in school, um, sometimes there are stories with people that are connected to a school, connected to different people, and something happens. Something happens. And the person's in a is accused of doing something inappropriate. Yeah, true, not true. So it's the most thing, most uh, normal thing to, you know, when you're talking to people, uh, oh, did you hear? Oh, what happened to him? You know, what's going on? Uh, you heard? Uh, uh, is he involved in your organization anymore? Yeah. So, but what's amazing is internally we're not talking about it. Most people don't even know. It's not noticeable. There are people that know, but it's not something that there's gossip, right? It's it's just so beautiful that when somebody has a a personal situation, the worst thing is when he knows everybody's talking or she is talking about them. If it's a non-starter, if no one's talking about it, so uh, let everybody figure out what's going on. Let uh, time answer the question, and we'll, we'll figure it out. But, but to run around and gossip and destroy the person before anybody knows what's going on, that's ridiculous. That's slander, right? That's the power of gossip. So here's a great story of how careful a person could be. So as a person, uh, there was a, 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 a Rav. His name was Ravram Genekovsky. And he was a big fundraiser, and he was involved in an organization called National Center for Family Purity. He had set, o- set up over 800 um, mikvahs. A mikvah is just a pool of water for a person to go into to purify themselves. So one time he was told that uh, there's a certain wealthy person in Toronto he should be visiting. Okay? So the fundraiser, I'm sorry, the, the person running the organization is this Rabbi Avram Gedekovsky, and, uh, and he has one of his uh, employees is the fundraiser, and he was told, this fundraiser told to go to this wealthy man in Toronto. 
And this wealthy man goes, I'm sorry, the fundraiser goes to this wealthy man in Toronto. He shows him the letter from this from Avram Ganekovsky. And the wealthy man says, hey, I'm very sorry, I'm not giving you a penny. Your Rebbe Avram cost me a lot of money. So what are you talking about? He said, yeah, he uh, cost me a lot of money. You're not, you're not getting a penny from me. Okay. So obviously this fundraiser had a lot of other places to go and people to meet and see. But when he gets back to Israel, he goes back to his boss, this Rebbe Avram Ganekovsky, and he says, you know, I was buying this guy in Toronto. I couldn't understand the story. He says you cost him a lot of money. What was he talking about? Like, wh- wh- why does he not want to give us money? To tell you the truth, there was a person who went to this wealthy man in Toronto and he said he needed to borrow a lot of money and he had a letter from me signed saying that he was a trustworthy person. So this wealthy man um, lent him the money because of my signature. Okay, so what happened? Well, two things happened. First of all, he lent him the money, the guy never paid him back. So why didn't you do anything about it? So I'll tell you the truth. This Rabbi Avram said, it was a forgery. I never signed any letter. I don't even know the guy. So the fundraiser says, one second. This guy who we tried to raise money from claims you cost him money, and it wasn't you the guy who forged your name. So what'd you do? Well, first I went, when I heard about the story, I mean, obviously got back to me, I went to the guy who had forged my name, and I explained to him, I said, you are not forging my name anymore. You are not using my name. You are not claiming anything, and you owe that guy money. Okay, so the fundraiser said, so what happened? So he never used my name again, and that part of the situation was taken care of, but he never paid. He never paid the guy back. Okay, so why didn't you go back to the wealthy guy and say it was a forgery? So Reverend says, why should I go back to the wealthy guy? The guy, the criminal is not acting as a criminal anymore, and there's no benefit in me going back. Me going back is just going to slander the guy who's a criminal. But the criminal stopped his crime. He's not doing it anymore. Paying back, I don't have the money, and he doesn't have the money. Well, there's nothing I can do about that. It's not my job to pay back when I don't know the money. So, um, so you see how far it goes. And I was it cost him that he, he can't fundraise from this wealthy man in Toronto anymore, but there is no need for the man in Toronto to know that it was a forgery. Now, I don't know how many of us would actually do such a thing. Most of us are not so, uh, so uh, kind-hearted, thoughtful, whatever it is, but really, if you think about it, in the rules of slander, there is no benefit for this Rabbi Avram to tell the wealthy guy that, uh, that this guy was a thief. He has nothing to do with him. What, what's the benefit? Just that he slandered the other guy? That's a really great, powerful level of understanding how far slander goes. Now, what's about slander? Um, I want to dive into it just a little bit, just for a couple of minutes. So... And the, to, for the details of the story of some of the things the spies saw, just check out the last show. So everything they said was true. The fruit was humongous, and there were giants there, and the cities were walled cities and fortified, and the people were mighty warriors, and people were dying all over the place. They didn't lie. 
So where was the slander? So the slander was that they said their own uh, op-ed. They added their opinion to the story. And they said God isn't strong enough. And they threw in their, their opinion, which I guess if you think about it to a certain extent, um, that's really what happens nowadays, right? In other words, you have all these different news stations, and this is what bothers people the most. And I had a friend in the newspaper business for a while, and he said everybody does this. You have, let's say, the AP. So you get the news report. So the news report has all the information. And then what you do is you cut out the parts you like and the parts that don't fit with your, uh, with your thinking, you uh, leave out. You didn't lie. You just left out some details. Right? And that's really what's happening today worse than any time. Whenever you listen to anybody on the radio or the news or the cable or whatever, everybody's saying their opinion. In other words, if we all had the straight story, and all we had to do was, here's the story. Why, do I, why am I listening to his opinion how to look at the story? He has an opinion about what he thinks the story is. I could have my opinion what I think the story means. But nowadays, you can't even tell when the story ends and where the opinion begins. And that's the problem. So everybody's fighting and everybody throws mud and everybody complains because where is it real? At what point does the story end and does the opinion begin? At what point does the story end and your explanation and your blaming of others, where does that begin? You, you, it, it, the, the world has gone crazy, which I tell you, the world's a crazy place. Because no one, no one can get straight stories of faith. Now, perhaps that would be boring. Perhaps you don't want to watch news where they just get bland of uh, whatever happens. Okay, perhaps, but at least we should recognize that when we're listening to other people speak, me no different, except I'm telling you Torah stuff. I'm not so much getting into current events because all I'll be telling you is somebody else's opinion probably, right? And who says he's right? And who says he gave me the whole story? Or she, right? So, so here the problem with the Miraglim was the spies. The problem with the spies wasn't that they told over a story. The problem was they added in their own opinion, and that opinion became part of the story. That's really what happened. And therefore, the Jewish people believed their opinion. Right? That's what happened. It was they came and slandered. The, they threw in their two cents, and their two cents is what made the Jewish people nervous because they didn't differentiate between story and, uh, and how you interpret the story. And therefore, they're going to cry, and therefore God's going to get angry, and therefore God's going to say, ten times you tested me in the desert, that's it, I'm done. Uh, this nation, you'll get exactly what you asked for, you will die in the desert, and I'll bring your children to the land of Israel. And therefore, we now are stuck wandering the desert for the next basically 38 and a half years. So it's a... Um, just a fascinating, just a fascinating um, concept in slander of it's not just that I tell the truth. That happens to be telling the truth without adding opinion is also slander. But this slander here is much worse because here I, I'm adding to the story because I just gave my opinion. So once we talk about 
Once we talk about slander and stories, and and I want to add in the word listening. Right? In other words, you want to tell me a story. I need to listen to your story. And then I have to go ahead and learn how to interpret your story. So maybe that's the problem sometimes. When you want to tell me a story um, and I'm not listening, and we're going to talk about in this next story what listening means, then sometimes I completely miss the boat. So I should have time. Looks like I have time. I have three stories, all connected, all wrapped around the same person. And we're going to talk about listening. And what's really called listening? Again, we've been talking about the, the children are home for the summer. Great time to talk to your children. Great time to listen to your children. And the real lesson is listening is not, it's not good enough to sit back and listen to the child tell a story. You got to be engaged. You got to ask certain questions. And I can't always tell you what the right question to ask is, but you got to be engaged. And now let's listen to these three amazing stories and what happens when you listen or what could have happened, right, for those who don't listen. So here's the first story. So the story is being told by a rabbi Halpern. Rabbi Halpern sitting at his desk, and he gets a phone call uh, 10 o'clock in the morning from his son's principal, a rabbi Turetsky. I don't think these are real names. Okay. So Turetsky says to Rabbi Halpern, Rabbi Halpern, we have a problem. Your son, your wonderful son, Baruch Tzvi, um, we're having some difficulties in school. Um, we need to talk about it. Oh, okay, great. So uh, here, I'm on the phone. I- I'm ready. Tell me what the problem is. No, this is really serious. This phone is no good. I need you to come down to my office. Okay, important. You need to talk about my son. Um, it's going to take about 45 minutes to get to you. So uh, I'll leave right now. I'll see you in about 45 minutes. Okay. So I help her in, gets into his car. Starts driving, um, thinks about his son, has good feelings about his son. His son was motivated. Certainly, if things didn't go his son's way, his son could get into trouble. But he figured this Rabbi Halpern says that uh, let me let me let me see if we can figure out what's going on um, before things escalate. So Rabbi Halpern gets to the school, uh, gets to the principal's office. He sees his son is sitting right outside the office, gives his son a little pat and a smile. And five minutes later, they're sitting in front of the principal. So Adretsky smiles back and he says, let me get straight to the point. Over the last few weeks, your son, uh, in the nicest way possible, is not pulling his own weight. He's become more difficult. He's having trouble sitting and studying. He's not studying with the partners we have set up for him. He's busy just talking and walking around. He doesn't go to class. The same thing happens in the evening when he's supposed to be reviewing. Um, He's just not doing his work. And uh, we're very, very concerned. We're very, very concerned. And we want to know what to do. So uh, then the Shari Tretsky says to the Shari Halpern, Halpern, you're involved yourself in education. What do you think we should do? So Rabbi Halpern says, you want my opinion? Yeah, I want to know what we should do. Well, if you want to know what to do, I think we should ask my son um, what he thinks we should do. Hmm, very interesting. Etreski says, okay. And they say, Berksvi, that was the boy's name. Um, why are you, 
why are you like you're drowning? Why are you you're not stunning like you used to? You're misbehaving. You're not going to class. What's going on? So Baratzio all of a sudden opens up. He says, I don't know if the principal remembers. Three weeks ago, you changed my study partner. I had such a good study partner. We just studied, and I was good, and I was in class. And you took away my study partner. And I told you the new guy I can't study with, but no one paid attention to me, and I really can't study with him. So now I'm bored. So now I wander. So now I talk. But now I'm not preparing for class. I'm not preparing for class. No point in going to class. I'm just going to cause trouble. And the same thing happened in the evening when I was supposed to study. Again, you changed my study partner. I told you I can't study with him. It's not working. So uh, this Rabbi Halpern, Rabbi Tretzky, listening. And uh, after this, Baruch finishes talking, he sits back. Silence. So the principal says, if I speak to the, uh, to the person in charge of study partners, um, you think everything will fix itself? And Baruch said, I'm positive. Okay. So as far as your first, your morning study partner, that's impossible because he left the school, but we'll get you somebody else. We'll get you somebody else. And once we get you somebody else, you'll be able to study, you'll be able to go back to class, and we'll get you somebody, we'll get you back your old study partner for the evening, and life will be beautiful. So, and sure enough, by the way, within the next few weeks, he completely picked himself up and was back to his old ways of studying properly. So Harper says... This story went on my listening shelf. Let's see what happens next. So this Rabbi Halpern happens to himself, works in a school, and um, one of the boys in the school, a nice boy, his name was Yechiel, um, very much wanted to study, but had a lot of personal challenges in life. His mother was very sick, and uh, she was not going to live much longer. His father himself was not well, but this Yechiel would come to school, and it was a dormitory, and he would do the best he could, but the, the family was basically dysfunctional. So on Thursdays, he would go home, and he would do laundry and clean up the dishes, and, and it was a couple-hour trip each way, and sometimes he was there late. By the time he got back, he'd be very tired. He'd miss, uh, he'd miss part of school the next morning and miss some classes. And, uh, but he was working hard. He was working to the best he could with this amazing situation rolling over his head. So, so this Yechiel, this Yechiel would talk to this Rabbi Halpern all the time about a situation. And uh, one day Yechiel calls Rabbi Halpern and says, and, and he doesn't sound good. Rabbi Halpern says, well, is everything okay? Yechiel says, no, everything is terrible. The other, one of the other administrators um, just threw me out of school, said I have to go home for a week. Uh, he's been on my case and telling me that I have to, that I have to, uh, you know, buckle down and I can't uh, be missing classes and I can't be disappearing for hours at a time. And uh, clearly, I'm not serious. So he's sending me home. I said, he says, I can't go home. If I go home, my mother will die. It'll kill her. She won't understand that I'm not, you know, doing anything I'm supposed to do. What should I do? So. Rabbi Halpin says to Yechiel, he says, let me ask you a question. When that other administrator said they're throwing you out, did you tell him your situation? So Yechiel says, he never asked me. He never asked me. I'm not telling him. So Rabbi Halpin says, just wait five minutes. He calls up the head of the school. They go through the whole situation, and the head of the school says, don't worry. He's not going anywhere. Right? You see what happens when we listen or when we don't listen? 
or when we don't even ask the question, when we see something with our children is not the way we would like it to be. So instead of making up the answers for the child, why can't we go ahead and ask the child what's going on? Because when we give them permission to answer, they will answer. And when they answer, we'll be shocked. And many times we'll be able to take care of whatever that situation really is. So uh, that's story number two. Not sure I can get through story number three, but at least we'll start it. And the third story is not personal to this Rabbi Halperin, but he had heard the story. He had a relative that was having uh, different courses. He had a seminar for educators, and the theme was called Listening to Your Students. And many teachers came and administrators came. And a few days later, oh, now there goes the music. So I guess I will not be able to finish my stories. Oh, I can't even find my ending. Here we go. Anyways, the music is playing. You know, as always, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, Chris, for wonderful sponsor. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you on the production team. We have David and Jen in the back. I hope I have some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi Tree Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and I'm Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.